subscribe and rate it. Five stars. Cliff. Bobo, is that you? Is that you calling my name? Yep, we got a big special guest today. So we've been wanting to have since the first episode, but it just never worked out because of the AC issues and such. But we got the legend of Bigfoot rock and roll of the Ayatollah, the man himself, Tom Yamalama Ding Dong Yamarone of the Yamarone Brothers. That's right. We have Tom Yamarone with us today. Um, he's going to be our guest for the next hour or so. Um, but, you know, but Bobo, before we jump in and introduce Tom here, I do want to point something out. Um, we got I got an interesting message I think you should be aware of. I'm not sure if you know about this or not. Um, an email came into uh, the podcast at, you know, Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast at gmail.com. Any of our listeners, of course, can email us and even people who don't listen, but I don't know how they'd get the email address. But anyway, an email came in to us, and I think I want to draw your attention to this before we bring Tom on. Because once Tom com- comes on, I'm going to be completely absorbed by his presence. He's like that. He has that kind of personality. But um, this one caught my my eye. It said, read this monkey army. <laughs> I, I guess your, your your story about the monkey army has been causing waves and reverberations throughout all communities, not just the Bigfoot community, all communities. Yeah, so that something's going on, and I, I just want to read you this this message we got because because you know we have this thing Bobo called Bobo Story Time. Um, you may be familiar with it, and a lot of people listen in disbelief that Bobo's just BSing. There's no way that this man could live this kind of life. Um, but yet I've known you for a long time and in the most ridiculous nonsense that you have spewed at me, even if like, there's no way that can be real, like a, a week or three later, something comes my way and say, Oh yeah, that's that thing I was telling. And there, like, there's a, there's a kernel there. There's a nugget of truth. In fact, I don't know how much it makes me question, like, could this be BS or is this actually all true? I don't know what to think about some of your stories, but so far they all turn out to be true. Like when you save those people down in Heldsburg, there's a there's a newspaper article showing you getting the reward. It's like there's no way that's true, but sure enough, there's a newspaper article with you. And th- this is another substantiated nugget of truth here. Monkey Army. Here's the message: Bobo's sailboat is still here in North Nicaragua, and so is Johnny. I believe his monkeys are all gone now because he married a lady with children, and they were too vicious. I'm assuming he's talking about the monkeys, not the lady and the children. Um, I know where one is, uh, one of the monkeys, in other words. I'll send pictures soon. So, Bobo, apparently Johnny is still there, and he has one, one monkey out of his army still left and had to let the rest of them go. What in the world, man? I, I, I know that I, I've known you long enough to know that your stories are true, but when somebody, some random listener out there in, in Nicaragua... I know, that's the weird part. How rad is that? How totally fun is that? That's funny. It's totally funny. I thought you might enjoy that. And certainly, I think our listeners would too. Yeah. Because <laughs> when you said the monkey army, because you can go back and listen. I said like, wait a minute. Let's go back. Monkey army? Oh, yeah. That's my friend Johnny. So <laughs> it's like, all right, man, whatever. But sure enough, Johnny exists and at least one of the monkeys survives. Now, you did you didn't know any of these monkeys personally. I don't I suppose you have any uh, thoughts on which monkey might have made it. I just remember, I just see the pictures of them growing up, like, you know, they got bigger and bigger and stuff like that. Horrifying. Primates make terrible pets, and no, nobody should own primates as pets. Nobody. Oh, I'm not condoning it at all. I mean, it was just so, 
It's just, they belong wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they got fingers, they think for themselves, you know, and that's just the children that we have. Like, like wild primates? Absolutely not. Yeah. I knew, I knew you married a, a lady with a couple of young kids and that's why they had to get rid of them. Well, anyway, there you go. The Nicaragua monkey army is dwindled down to one. <laughs> Force of one. What was that? Army commercial? Oh, yeah. An army of one. Yeah. Army of one. They took that to heart. Well, anyway, Tom Yamarone, ladies and gentlemen. How do I follow that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you follow it the same way any of us follows a, a Bobo story, humbly. Yeah, I was just on the boat with Bad Billy one time. Yeah, that was great. We visited him in the Humboldt Harbor, or Eureka Harbor. And he had just sailed this tiny little sailboat up from Shelter Cove and had some harrowing stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were along for a lot of these crazy rides with Bobo. And of course, um, I suppose, you know, let's get, I forget that our, our audience may not know you. They may not uh, know who you are or why. So let, let's back up a little bit. Um, you've known Bobo and I for quite a long time now. I consider you one of my best friends. Um, I love you. Just you're a, a tremendous influence in my life for decades now. You and I met 20, 19 years ago and at Kathy, Kathy and Bob Strain's Operation Odyssey. Right, yeah, which I credit as one of the, my very first steps out into the Bigfoot community because I was Bigfooting for years before that, but mostly alone. And you can only get so far alone before you have to start, you know, interacting with other people. And um, and so I, you, you know, reached out your hand and uh, helped me across the bridge over into the Bigfoot social world. So I don't know if, uh, if, that, if I should thank you or, or curse your name, but um, at the same time, but it's gotten me this far, you know, because the Bigfoot community is certainly a blessing and a curse. But that whole weekend was just a blessing. And thank you so much for the invitation to bring me out to meet Kathy and Bob and you and everybody else. And what a great weekend. That was an incredible weekend. And my Marilee came, my wife came on that trip, which was in, really opened the door for me to keep going. You know, uh, I started at, in 2003 at Willow Creek's uh, International Bigfoot Symposium. I wanted to go just to meet John Green and uh, ended up meeting Bob Gimlin there and a guy took me in his truck out to Bluff Creek that weekend. You were supposed to pay to go in Jeeps and stuff, but he, he said, oh, I know where it is. I'll take you, you know. Yeah, I was introduced to us, Cliff. Yeah, I was just one that got you together with me the first time. Yeah, then uh, I, met, I know I met you on the same trip as I met Moneymaker. Um, I think that was up in the Redwoods, right? It was on uh, um, out there on Gold Bluff Beach or whatever. I met you in my driveway. In your driveway? At, at the house that's falling into the sea? No, no, the one that, right, I moved out of it right after we met. Hmm. Oh, the Arcada residence. The, Ar the Arcada house. Oh, that sounds familiar. I, have to, I wonder. I wonder if I can dredge that out of my memory. Remember, I jumped in your truck, and all I had for food was like seven pounds of wasabi peas and a giant, huge, like can of uh, mackerel. <laughs> I do remember the wasabi peas. I tried to make sure every time we went out after that, I had wasabi peas for you. I was hurting. Well, yeah, because they they have to come out eventually. Oh, dude, that was brutal. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah. When I got that award from the for the police, for he was there. You probably took that photograph that it was in the paper. Yep. I have a file that says Healdsburg Hero Award. <laughs> <laughs> We've told that story before. Yeah, and people didn't believe that one. I got a plaque, even. That was great. I mean, that whole night, like the civic meeting, was weird but great. When I think we went and watched a Niner game afterwards at a bar. We did. Yeah, the guy who, the other guy that was that they gave the award to because he stood there and took the spear from me when I handed it to him. He's got it on that winery bar and all that stuff, and he's stoked. So he gave me that. Remember, he gave me that 
really expensive, huge bottle of champagne. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was cool. That was that was worth risking your life for. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun night. So yeah, so people don't know you, but you're the Bigfoot balladeer, the Bob Dylan of Bigfoot. Uh, you've written some of those. You've, in my top ten personal Bigfoot songs, you got half of them. I got Bigfoot, the living legend, is what started it at Willow Creek, and I was playing it outside. And some guy said we should go ask the MC if you can play that. And I said, all right. And so we went in with my guitar to the Willow Creek Symposium, and uh, we approached the MC and said, hey, is there any way I could play a three minute song? And the guy looked at me and said, ah. Uh, Maybe. All right. And and the funny thing was, while I'm up there playing, the Pioneer panel, which included Al Hodgson, John Green, and others, were waiting off stage, like pacing. You know, once this guy finished. But uh, then what happened is Rick Knoll made a DVD from that conference, and, and, and he agreed to put my songs on during the credits. So that was really my big break in the Bigfoot world, was getting my credits on the Willow Creek DVD, of the symposium DVD. Running through the forest, I don't wear no boot. Cause I'm a living legend that they call Bigfoot. They ain't taking my time, I don't need no watch. Cause I'm the timeless creature that they call Sasquatch. You might see me running around the bend. Sasquatch Legend, Living Legend was the first song that you did? Yes, that was the first song, Bigfoot, The Living Legend. And then, then I wrote Roger and Bob on a camping trip in the Sierras with a guy named Tom Cousineau. Asked me, how do you write a song? And I said, well, I go like this, you know, Roger and Bob rode out that day. And then uh, so that one took off <clears throat> and I, I wanted to play that for Bob. So I invited him to the 2005 uh, uh, Bellingham Sasquatch Research Conference. Yeah, well, Scott was there, and I remember uh, I I met both both you guys at the airport, and we drove up together, and that was my first encounter with uh, Bob Gimlin, and I was just over the moon meeting him. That was cool. That was great meeting you guys in the Seattle airport, right? We uh, Scott McLean came up from L.A. I flew in from the Bay Area, and Cliff, you came up from Long Beach, and we all were in the Seattle airport within thirty minutes of each other. It's a long run, man. One rented a car, and then I phoned Bob. Phoned us from the road, and we met him just north of Seattle on I five. Yeah, that's right. We had like pick him up on the side of the road like a hitchhiker almost. <laughs> what exit were you at, Bob? Oh yeah, there it is. That was a great conference, and Ron Moorhead was there with Al Berry, and that's when I finally got to meet Al Berry, and then realized he was a BFRO investigator, and I had a few interactions with him because of that, and and Autumn Autumn was big that weekend. Meldrum was there. Um, I remember I asked him about, I think that guy, Lloyd Pye, remember that guy that was going around and he spoke or whatever. And um, I, I happened to be sitting near Meldrum at the time and I didn't know the man, you know, but I knew who he was, obviously. Um, and I said, so Jeff, any thoughts uh, after Lloyd Pye had done, had, had finished speaking and he just looked, he goes, snake oil. And I thought that was <laughs> a, kind of a um, uh, weird in a way, because of course, later on finding Bigfoot, the name of the production company um, was Snake Oil Productions. It's like, wow, well, it's not a full circle in some sort of weird way. Terrible name for the production company, of course, about Bigfoot. Maybe we couldn't cash our checks at first. Oh, I don't know. I always had direct deposit, I thought. Uh, I got their checks and say Snake Oil on it. And people were like, what? What's this Snake Oil? I'm like, no, it's real. In, in, in the subject line, I would say Bigfoot Project. Clearly, it's a fake check. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Signed by Matt Moneymaker. <laughs> like, what? No, it's clearly a false name. 
What was epic from that was the organizer, Jason Valenti, and his wife, Star. Uh, and I'm sure he was really into that angle because I think Lloyd Pye was all about like other other humans, right? Alien intervention. Yeah, he was always in. He was into the. Wasn't he? In, I think the Zachariah Ascension stuff and the Sumerian texts and yeah, all that sort of stuff. You know, but yes, yeah, I think he might have had a few things incorrect about human evolution in my in my opinion. You know, maybe he's right and we're all wrong. Who knows? Who cares? But they were great. I mean, Jason Valenti was a really nice man to invite me to come and let me play at that conference. I got to start the, each day with a song. And then there was one point I was up in the room having a beverage and someone said, hey, man, they need you to play a song, you know. And I ran back in and played a live version of The Ballad of Alberto. Alberto, Alberto, what did you see? Them Sasquatch make you one of the family. Yeah, another one of your hits. John Vinyard would come over from uh, uh, Vancouver Island to come to this event. I didn't realize he had a daughter that lived in Bellingham, but it was so great to see John Vinyard And when I came off stage, he says to me, you know, that's just my favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad John Vinyard imitation. That's a great John Vinyard Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah, Bigfoot songs have always served me very well. And, uh, you know, they've been a part of it. And and then, of course, the epic thing was going out to Bluff Creek with you guys that weekend with Bill Munns to the PG film site. And, and we had everyone down there. And Terry Smith, I got to mention Terry Smith and what a great man. The guy who took me out many years. I camped with him in the Bluff Creek area and and uh, got a recording with him up on Haskell Peak in the Sierras. But Terry, when we, when we came out that weekend, I was with Scott and it was Scott's last trip. We went into Willow Creek and had lunch with Al Hodgson. Nice. Yeah, you, you, you met all the biggies, man. You were, were all around. You knew all the biggies. And so we went over to the Bigfoot Museum. Al was going to take us over. And as we were walking in, um, the producer of the film, Willow Creek, ran up to me and said, hey, do you guys have any Bigfoot stories? And I said, well, this is Al Hodgson, and this is Scott McLean. You know, they're pretty epic in the Bigfoot world. And I have a song called Roger and Bob wrote out that day. And she says, you do? You want to play that for this movie? And I said, yes. Well, they got lucky when she walked away. Roger and Bob rolled out that day. Roger and Bob. Right. And that was for Bobcat Goldthwait's movie, Willow Creek, which is uh, the best uh, um, uh, found footage movie that I'm aware of. And I've seen a lot now. Melissa's really into that sort of thing. So. Right. It, it really went well. That was my big break, Bobcat Goldthwait in, in that movie, you know. And and uh, and so anyway, after that, I ended up uh, – we had, we had many great trips. We had, we had one trip where I brought organic apples out to uh, Fish Lake, and, and we put them down on a stump near camp. And then I went to bed. I was just exhausted. And what, at 2 in the morning, something ran in and, and, and grabbed the apples? Yeah, me and, we talked about it when Robert Letterman was a guest on the show about that. 
Yeah, but that's Robert's perspective. What, what do you remember about that, Tom? Because you know what? That's one of the byproducts of having you as a friend is I get to remember so much more than I normally do down to the date. That's always been one of your superpowers. I said, hey, Tom, when does this happen? And you go, oh, that was in July, I think the 17th of 2012 or whatever, like that sort of stuff. You're, you're very, very good at that stuff. I'll be guessing there. I'd say that was a September trip of uh, 04, 05. No kidding. That long ago. Wow. Yeah. Because I just met Bobo and he agreed to go camping. I picked you up at your arcade house. And then I've had the CRV was new, Merrily CRV. And we drove up to Bluff and uh, had a great outing. Wow. We went down to the film site, you know, back when you could drive down. And and and, and that night that night was epic. Uh, what I remember is being asleep and having the tent door ripped open and Bobo going, Bigfoot, Bigfoot just came in and grabbed apples. <laughs> so you were asleep that you, Bobo woke you up so the Sasquatch did not no I didn't hear the running in but you know the way that campground is set up with the the big the trails and the huge hedges and the cover that it affords and and at that end of the campground you're right up against the forest and then later that night right after that incident we heard this tree snap this break from the forest that was just sounded like it was right outside the tent and they were throwing little pebbles and little nuts and pebbles at the tents and cars that night too i camped in that campsite with robert leiderman i think this a year later it was just the two of us and we we didn't 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 want to set up the tent one night we just set up a lean-to and he was very nervous about that yeah something happened to him he had a lot to say about and he's still you know he's still plays it pretty close to his chest and he tries to be as skeptical as possible but he says i don't know what could have done that you know i mean he's he's at that point i think of course i I believe he thinks they're real um he's a little cautious about saying that out in the open i think even still but um that really spun him it seemed yeah (laughs) that kind of spun him though I, i i always enjoy that but that was an epic trip. I had the Honda Civic. I always drove a Honda Civic out in the woods, and it got great gas mileage. And Robert and I did the loop from Fish Fish Lake and went up Slate Creek Road and, and, and then went over towards uh, – we didn't go to the film site in the Civic, but we looped back to uh, the Go Road and came out. And, and when we went in that night, I think my I knew I had like 32 miles, you know, of mileage to go. And, and it, it was bad because, you know, the gas gauge was on E, but I knew I had the miles and we went in. And, and when we came out the next morning, I just made it to Pearson's store and got gas. That's sketchy. But we got into town and I called Al Hodgson and went by and I played Al Hodgson, Jerry Crew. He knew what to do. Another one of your hits. Yeah, and it brought a tear to his eye. And he said, you know, Francis, his wife was there. and uh, But I guess Jerry Crew's wife had just passed. And he said, she would have loved that song. But uh, in the end, then later on, when Finding Bigfoot was in town, I met the Crew brothers. And we met Wade Crew and John Crew and got to go to their family reunion the next year. Yeah, yeah, so you're not going to be my writing credits. Oh, yeah, you you co-wrote that. Because we I was playing it at, at the Palm Motel one night in a rainstorm, and you came up with uh, those that believed him were but a few. Yeah, <laughs> that's my contribution. So I had to give you the Nashville writing credit on that one. <laughs> yeah. Very generous of you. No doubt. Well, I was a full member of the band, the Amaroon Brothers. 
the Yamanov brothers is a whole bunch of other stories about great musicians Bobo's had me play with. We were at, we were in San Francisco. I think we were at Slim's, was it? Or Bargain Music was playing, and Bubbo had told him I was a great Sasquatch songwriter. And we're pounding beers, and I'm back with Bubbo at the merch table. And the guy, Josh, stops the show and says, "We have in the audience tonight one of the great Sasquatch songwriters." <laughs> Calls me up from from the audience, you know, and I just remember walking through the pit. To get into the stage and Zippy gave me an acoustic guitar and I played Bigfoot the Living Legend with Bubbo did next to me doing the, the patty dance, doing poses like that. It was just an epic night. Came off stage to a huge, huge round of applause and admiration from the audience. And that was O four too. I mean back in the day, oh five. So what was that? Eighteen years ago. Yeah. Holy smokes, man. Starting to think we're getting old. Don't say our age on the air. <laughs> But yeah, I, I love your songs. I love your songs because they're great history. Like for people that are new to the subject, it's a great synopsis of like these people, like these, you know, the, the four horsemen characters and yeah, and historic events. Like you, it's, it's, it's a catchy, really well-written tune. And, and I love your singing. It's, it's, uh, it's just, it's, they're awesome. They're, they're such toe tappers and they, and it's just the content's so great. That's what I really love about it. Historically accurate. Right. I've always tried to convey the information in a, in a song and, and have people enjoy it. And it's always worked out, which is great, you know, and, but only because of you being my number one cheerleader, Bubbo, I think is, have I succeeded. I'm no bigger fan than me. <laughs> now you've all, you also wrote uh, the uh, Bigfoot in Ohio. I hear the wood knock saying, don't come here. I see the footprint. In the mud so clear From Coshocton County And everywhere I go I know there's Bigfoot in Ohio How did that one come about? Uh, you know, because of all the times we went back with Bob Gimlin to Ohio, thanks to Joyce Carney, I must say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to talk more about Joyce in a second, too, by the way, but continue. San Francisco woman who uh, uh, said, I'd like to get Bob Gimlin back to Ohio. And so in 2010 or 11, we uh, made the trip. And Mark Stenberg, who's recently left us, went with us on that trip. And we flew out of the Tri-Cities, Pasco, and flew into uh, Columbus. No, flew into Cleveland. And so voice had great trips going to Cleveland and, uh, and drove down with Bob and, and – uh, you know, I remember after one of those trips, might have been that one for all I know, you and me and Bob Gimlin went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, I would think it was a year or two later. That that trip, we didn't. We went on a later trip, right? Great, great visit to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, I kept thinking, okay, so yeah, there, okay, there's Prince's clothes, there's David Bowie's this or that, there's you know the Ramon drum, Ramon's drumsticks, there's Jerry Garcia's guitar, and I'm thinking, but I'm with like one of the biggest rock stars in the world. It's like not only Tommy Emmer, but Bob Gimlin at the same time. This is ridiculous. <laughs> then they, while we're waiting in line to get in, they let us take a souvenir photo and put it on the cover of Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I remember that picture. Oh, wow. That's awesome. We should use that one for the, the podcast. <laughs> the, the, Kathy and Bob Strain really brought me into the Bigfoot world. Like if I introduced you to Bobo Cliff, Kathy and Bob Strain took me out camping a week after the Willow Creek Symposium. And uh, we were in South Lake Tahoe. 
on a Friday and Saturday night, and I was recording with an eight millimeter uh, camcorder, recording audio, you know, at night. And we were getting some crazy screams. And then we ended up, Bob and I ended up on the episode called Sketching Sasquatch. Oh, Finding Bigfoot. That's, oh, yeah, that's right. You, were, you and Bob were on the episode with us, and you played some of those vocalizations for us, right? Right. Cool. And uh, can we play those on the podcast too, Tom? Yes. Yeah, I have a YouTube video too we can link up. Yeah. And we can play them in this podcast. But anyway, so they, that, that, they were essential in getting me involved because then they did Operation Odyssey and and we went out and learned how to map, how to document evidence, how to cast. And it was through Bob and Kathy that I really, you know, got my beginner amateur uh, education in this field. And Bob Strain is just a great outdoors person. And, and Kathy, you know, uh, they have a solid relationship and i played uh can't help falling in love at their wedding in july 4th 2005 oh that's very sweet i just saw bob and kathy this past weekend um up at squatch fest in longview washington um kathy was invited up to be a speaker and uh, we all had dinner after saturday night bob was like a mentor to me and took me out on great outings in the sierras where again you and i camped with them at bumblebee meadow in 2006 yeah it was what made them great outings well, you know, because he was always uh, solid, and 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 you were you you felt assured with him, you know, like nothing was going to happen to you in a bad way. He was just a good outdoors person, and and uh, and and so I, you know, Bob, you know, I was coming from suburban LA, and I had to learn how to camp. So that was kind of the education I got from Bob and Kathy: how to bigfoot, how to camp. Yeah, they, they've been a huge influence on um, on all of us, really, I think, and a lot of other people as well. We're very, very lucky to have them participating in the community, and they're still out there doing it. They're part of the NAWAC, of course. Um, they've all had different sightings since that time. And, uh, you know, it kind of struck me, and you mentioned earlier, it's, it's really important to stay in contact. You just briefly touched on that. But and, um, I, when I was sitting across from um, Kathy and Bob, it came to our, my attention through Kathy that, like, I don't think I've even seen them since 2017. And that's five years ago. Six, well, it'll be six years here this year. It's like crazy how time flies. And if you're not careful, um, you know, you could miss something. You know, I mean, Scott McLean is gone. Um, uh, so many people are, have just left recently. Um, Got to make a stronger effort to stay in touch with people that you care about, you know? There, I got the day down to the day. Tomorrow is six years since my stroke. Fantastic. Well, if you put that thing along, it really changed your life. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, you had a you know, stroke is a kind of a big deal. You had to learn to walk again, and all sorts of stuff that you know you hear about. But that to know somebody going through it, um, it's just heart wrenching, of course, especially when it's one of your best friends. But you have kind of, frankly kicked ass. Um, you you stop smoking. You're exercising more than you ever have, I think, in your life. You're you're, you're kind of kicking ass, Tom. So right, I just whatever it's worth, really proud of you. Have trekking poles, world travel. Oh, you're doing the moneymaker stuff, huh? <laughs> you know that time, Yams, when we were out at uh, that one spot where the barrier group used to go? And I think Cliff was there, too, but at sunrise, we started hearing that pounding, just the cat screaming. Like It sounded like, the, it sounded like a squatch had a, a big cat up a tree and was about bobcat. It was pounding 
pounding the, the trees is what it sounded like. And Cliff, you gave me that iRiver recorder. I had it going on my windshield. Yeah, and uh, you got a recording of that. That's one of the weirdest things I've ever heard in the woods. Yeah, me too. Remember, I, I, almost, I, almost, I almost got it because I ran around. I went around to come from the other side of it, and the sound stopped, and I crested that hill within three to five seconds of the, of the pounding stopping from that little, little meadow area where it came from down there. And I, I came from the opposite side of where we were camping. I snuck around, and it, and it just stopped right before I got there. I was so bummed. I would have got Didn't see anything, but that was that was the weird. Yeah, you got. Do you saw that? Can we hear that one, Yams? I got it. I'll send the file to Matt. Yeah, I got out of the tent, and you guys had run off, and I I grabbed my camcorder and went up with a flashlight and sat on a stump above our tent, you know, right outside of camp. I was scared. Yammers. Cliff. Cliff. Well, yeah, it's a weird thing to hear. Be awakened by over and over. It's weird, man. That scream was cool. Yeah. I've never heard anything quite like that. And and there was no people. That's not the direction people would have been, man. That was just out in the, I don't know what was doing that. But that was a great trip. And we can mention Elk Valley, right? We started our trip up in Elk Valley at the headwaters of Blue Creek. And we met Charlie Tom, the Karuk native elder. He's the guy that can, uh, one of the people that convinced me that, yeah, magic is real. You know, I don't know what magic is, but it's real. Hey, do you guys have any coffee? Yeah, I'll make some. <laughs> we make the coffee. Ten minutes later, oh, your coffee's ready. I don't drink coffee. It's like, yeah, why did you ask us to make it then? I don't understand. <laughs> that's when I. That's when I realized we're dealing with a Yoda right there, like a Yoda Joker, a trickster a figure of some sort. You know, he was Yoda. I didn't realize how, how epic Charlie Tom was, and after that, but we got that. I taped that great version of him singing the Bigfoot the, at the headwaters of Blue Creek song in Karuk. Yeah. Yeah, and remember he he called down a um, a deer. He just called it from the woods, and it came walking through camp. Then he called down the birds, dude. That that little finch, and then that that hawk that flew down and landed right above his head and shrieking. And a rabbit jumped out. It was like a scene from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, or something. It really was. It was unreal. That was a great time in that valley. How many times have you been to Bluff, Tom? Like, what do you think? Like, you don't have to count them all, but what do you think? Ten, twenty, fifty? What do you think? I think at least 35 for 20, 25. 25. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. Is that your favorite spot to go bigfooting? Yes. Because of the historical aspect or so much activity? It's a long trip, but it's just great wilderness. And I love the Go Road and Slate Creek Road. I love the paved roads, you know? Yeah, they really took care of us by building those. 
Um, so that's probably your favorite spot. I imagine it has a lot to do with the history of the area and whatnot, because that's why I go. Um, you know, it's just, you know, like that's the 58 bridge that Jerry Krug, oh, this is the area. Yeah, Fish Lake, going to Fish Lake with Scott and, and, and Terry. Terry and I camped every summer at Fish Lake for a weekend. Yeah, Terry's a good guy, man. Terry's a good guy. He hasn't really been in the Bigfoot thing for a little little while now, but man, I sure miss him. He's wonderful. Right. We're, we're, uh, you went to Bluff Creek a lot. I know you spent a lot of time in the Sierra Nevada mountains as well. Um, what are some of the more uh, um, far-flung places, destinations that you've gone bigfooting? Like, have you been up to BC? I know you went to Washington a number of times. No, I've been to Bump, Bumping Lake was one of the great di- distant destinations uh, where we went up with Mark Stenberg in a minivan with Bart and uh, Bobo. Was that the weekend Bart saw one, or is that a different year? Yes, it's the weekend he saw one on the therm, yes. Oh, wow, that's right. Yeah, because that was Bart's ride. I got to um, take him down from there, and we cruised through Oregon. Yeah, because we went up, that was 2007, I believe August, but it was the 40th anniversary that year. Hmm, of the PG film, okay. Right, and uh, so we went up and had a great, huge camp, camp out with the BFRO people and others, and Stenny and everybody, the colonel and stuff. Was that that year that, that that jerk down the road was yelling at us and sicked his golden retriever on us? But yeah, I remember some trip we were walking down the road and some guy camped down three or four. We we're like yelling and doing Bigfoot stuff. And some guy down at a campground or campsite, rather, uh, dispersed camping, of course, um, like 100, 200 yards down the road. We were walking down the road and his, he has a golden re- he had a golden retriever. That was such a dick, man. Like, uh, how hard, What kind of person do you need to be to make a golden retriever into a monster? You know, like they're the nicest dogs in the world. And this thing was just crazy. Just go like, want, like it was going insane being vicious and scary at us. Like what, what kind of monster races a golden retreat? But yeah, but anyway, yeah, he threatened to shoot us if we uh, yelled some more. That wasn't very cool. And I remember that was at Bumping. I've only been there a handful of times. That might've been the same trip. I don't remember. Yeah, Bumping Lake, just because of where it was, you're north of Yakima by probably 30, 40 miles outside of uh, that little town where the roundup was. Uh, Natchez. You know what? That was that trip. And, and here's why I remember that, Tom. You were by the fire and then something happened, like a radio call or something. And whoever was with you by the fire stood up and ran to the woods, leaving you alone. Right. I was just panicking like Anakin. <laughs> yeah. And that was right after Barton saw one. So you're thinking, crap, they're here and I'm alone right now. Oh, man. Yeah, that was uh, I remember that. That was the same trip. Yeah, it was PTSD, man. You were you were shook up on that because you said your brother used to torture you as a little kid. Bigfoot's gonna get you. Bigfoot's gonna get you. No, I was good. No, I, no, he didn't do that to me. But we we uh, when everybody ran out of camp, it was like a panicking moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they're all gonna die, and then I'm gonna be the only one here alone. <laughs> yeah, Bigfoot's gonna kill him out there. Then they'll come for me. No, I could hear you guys down the road. The colonel was like, "I got zapped." It was like 75 volts or something. Or <laughs> yeah, you measured it, but put, put a volt, volt meter on his ears or something. Right. Yeah, he's another guy we need to get on the podcast sometime. He has a ton of stories, man. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So, so Tom, I mean, obviously, I mean, anybody listening can tell that we're all three of us are very good friends. We've had a lot of experiences and fun together out in the woods and everything. But when it, when it comes down to Bigfooting, one of the things that uh, I've always appreciated about you is that you are there to gather evidence. You come out prepared and you are ready to do so if the opportunity presents itself. Um, now, uh, so many Bigfooters or self-proclaimed Bigfooters don't have that mindset. 
why do you go with that approach versus just going out to have fun and hear something and tell the other people your story? Well, you know, thank you for asking that, Cliff, because earlier in the day when I was getting this set up here to do the podcast, I was talking to the your uh, producer, Matthew Pruitt, and uh, and we were talking about how much we admired John Green, the author, John Green. And I think it was always just to have something to show people, you know, who don't go out in the woods or aren't going to hear the sound you're going to hear. Let's make them a recording. You know, or obviously I always wanted to emulate Roger Patterson to get a video footage or, you know, but that never was to be. But uh, so all the years, I always wanted to have something to bring home and play for my wife and daughter. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm the one kook in the family who believes in Bigfoot, right? So (laughs) aren't we all? (laughs) So that was always my goal. And that was why I always wanted to record or at least record audio overnight while you're sleeping. And, and doing that, I taped great barred owls in Washington at Bumping Lake and and uh, other places where we camped. Now, after a night of recording, what, what, what do you do with that recording? Because you have, okay, so you have seven or ten hours of you sleeping or whatever else is happening while you're sleeping, um, and you go out for three or four or five nights. How do you deal with all that raw data? Well, you come home and you offload it, and then you note in a notebook. I would get up and say, you know, well, that morning we didn't have any trouble noting it. But once I was camping with Terry at Fish Lake, and he got up and unzipped the tent and went to relieve himself, and this really loud wood knock came. And so he got back in, and I just noted to myself, you know, at 5.45, there was a wood knock, you know, so go back and find it, isolate that sound. And and so that that's what you do with all that data. You download it and make notes on it so you know what what's on there. And then because you, you don't want to sit there. I, and again, Suzanne Ferencheck, a friend in Ohio, I encouraged her to get a recorder and then was trying to tell her, you don't you're not going to sit there and listen to seven hours. Right. You just download it and put it to where you can see the peaks and valleys on the audio and, and, and then zoom in and listen to those those portions. So, yeah, audio recording is tricky, but it, it's it, it's rewarding. And people will say, well, you don't know what made the sound. But actually, when you're out there in those situations, there's really not much else. I don't think we ever were hoaxed by other campers, you know. No, I don't think so either. A lot of, uh, that's easy to say when you weren't out there to say, well, how do you know it wasn't a camper or whatever? Somebody's sneaking up to you. It's like, well, because I was there, man. And if you're there for three or four days and you don't see anyone at all, like what are the chances of somebody doing that? You know, it's just not going to happen. It, that's, just, that's a throwaway line from skeptics as far as I'm concerned. Well, also, too, all those great nights when we stayed, when you're camping at Bluff Creek and you walk out from uh, Laos Camp and walk up the road, and Cliff, you were showing me the little uh, Notice Creek Canyon there where you saw the trees being shook. That always stuck in my mind, too. And I remember going out a year later after Willow Creek came out, I took Bobcat camping with a with a late a comedian friend of his. And we went down there, and I would walk him up the road and say, all right, let's do a call. And then when I, we did the call, I'd go, shh, let's listen for a response, you know. And Bobo, Bobo was at a comedy show later on, and the lady was making a joke about Tom Yamron. This guy takes you out for a walk and then does a Bigfoot call and makes you wait for a response <laughs> she was on npr talking about it too wow it's on it's on comedy central radio dude her her comedy bit on on the satellite radio she does that one too oh wow i gotta hear that 
So besides the field work that you've done, Tom, you live in the Bay Area, um, and you started organizing, uh, like, was it monthly get-togethers? Kind of like, like, like Paul Freeman did, like uh, um, um, Don Keating did, like all these other Bigfooters who came before you. You started organizing, like, hey, well, let's go to like this pizza place and hang out and talk squash for a while. And lo and behold, um, a number of people started showing up regularly, but most importantly probably is Joyce Kearney. Yeah, Joyce Carney wanted to do that. And again, I've got to mention Mike Rugg and the Bigfoot Discovery Museum. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mike is, yeah, of course. Ten years I was associated there writing his newsletter every month for him, the inner two pages, and it was a great experience. And then Joyce said, you know, let's just go start a little meeting in San Mateo, closer to home. It's too, it's a long way to drive, and, and we'll see who shows up. And Jerry Hine got involved with it. And and we started a uh, you know uh, advertising for in the free notices Bigfoot meeting and we got a bunch of people that that's where I met Bugs Bugs Mitchell. Oh yeah, he became very influential. Uh, he's seen Sasquatches and other things. Like didn't he? Didn't he see like a, a some sort of sea serpent thing as well? Yes, right in in the bay. Right, he was a fisherman and uh, uh, a plaster worker, but more importantly, he was an outdoorsman. And so they would go. They had a cabin in remote Mendocino County, and I did I think three or four extensive interviews with bugs uh, on on my uh, YouTube channel. Very cool. Now, did you realize that Joyce was significant in the early 1970s? Because I, I met Joyce through you, and I just said, oh, she's cool. She likes Bigfoot. and whatever. But I didn't realize her historical um, significance. Well, she's written up in John Green's book, The Apes Among Us. When I got a hold of the Barbara Wasson collection, she and Barbara were very good friends. And I have a lot of personal correspondences between the two um, about various Bigfoot things or, you know, this person thinks that Peter Burns, a good looking guy or whatever, you know, there's a lot of like personal stuff going back and forth between these two women. And I, I was struck about how early in the game she was really active. You know, I didn't know that, but I know what, what she told me was when, when the PG film was in Argosy magazine, when those photos were printed and the story was written, she got her husband to take her camping at Bluff Creek. And that was always in, in, incredible to me that here's somebody who was in Bluff Creek in 68, you know, the summer after it happened. Anyway, Joyce Carney was epic, and we became very good friends, and we'd have long conversations on the phone. But Joyce, more importantly, wanted to have these meetings, and and it drew a, a steady group, but it never really was going anywhere. And ultimately, uh, once Joyce passed, you know, we I let it go, uh, and then Jerry moved up to the Sierras. So I haven't heard from Jerry or seen him, but miss him. We had some great times, and he helped me move out out here to Livermore. So such good friends along the way. This is this part of the great things about that. You know, Larry Lund told me that way back in the day in like 1996 or se- 1997, he told me, it's like, it's, it's not, it, it, some of it's the Bigfoot stuff, but really it's the people that make it all uh, worth it and, um, and make it a lot of fun. Just all these people and then, and weirdos and Muppets and good friends and everybody else that's along for the ride, man. Um, and I've met so many good people through you and because of you and whatnot. And I just can't agree with that more. Uh, I just love the animals. And I always say, stay focused on the animals. But when, when I have someone like you on the podcast, you know, with, with Bobo here and it's like, it's like, well, you know what that I know I'm, I'm, I tell everybody to stay focused on the animals, but it's hard to really endorse that when I have such good friends on the line with us. So. I was going to say, what, what are your best experiences with, you know, what you thought was, I know you haven't had a sighting, but what's the most compelling things you've heard out in the woods or evidence you've seen? 
Well, that morning wake-up scream was pretty epic. And then with Terry one night, we were at Goose Lake near Haskell Peak in the Sierras. And I recorded, I had the recorder up in my, behind my headlamp uh, in my knitted hat. And we recorded some screams after we did a wood knock. Those are on YouTube as well. Tell us about the uh, Bob Strain recordings you got that in the Sierras. Okay, so we were out in, in, around a meadow uh, in near Myers in South Lake Tahoe, and it was a road that would lead up into the uh, Tahoe National Forest, you know, again, a paved road in the wilderness, and yet you could hear cars on Pioneer Road, Pioneer Trail, but, it, you know, it wasn't a siren when I recorded. We were hearing screams, and Kathy was call blasting Bob and Kathy had a guitar amp. We were call blasting the BFRO recordings. So we had the Tahoe scream, but also the Ohio howl. And uh, it was the Tahoe scream that started this thing screaming. And and then we were all out in different listening groups, you know, and uh, had radios. And, 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 and we were hearing it from a distance. And I think on my recording, I'd say, did you hear that? It's back closer to camp. Let's go, you know, and... When I'm with one other person in the woods, I'm brave. But so that night was epic. And then, you know, Bob and Kathy were in a little more isolated tent location and they heard it screaming all night. I woke up and heard it once or twice, but Bob said it screamed all night. It wasn't too far from houses, was it? No, no. I mean, you're about a mile from houses. Yeah, Bigfoots don't care. That's one thing that I've learned for, for over my the last twenty years is they just don't care at all. You only own your property during the day, and um, you know people think you have to go in the middle of nowhere to run into a Sasquatch. And sure, they are there as well, but they're right under our noses, man. They're just right under our noses. That was one of the funnest trips for me, of course, because it was my first time out, you know. And and we were with this group of guys. They called themselves the Bigfoot Ranger Team, and. uh so they were pretty cool. But we had, we had a great time. It was great that Bob and Kathy joined us. And well, really, that's what it is about me. I mean, I have the songs, but I'm really just a people guy. It's just about the people we know and the people we've met all along the way. And it's been a great, long, strange trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the experiences that we all share. Um, and it, it, what a ride. What a ride. So, Yams, you were a BFR investigator for a long time. What was the best case or witness or story that sticks with you from from that? Like the the most compelling witness you talked to, like interesting story or what whatnot. Well, it was a guy who was working in Hoopa Valley and and was doing bird research. And they would drop him off at two in the morning, and he would sit on a hillside listening for birds. And and he says up out of the you know so I spoke with him on the phone for several hours. He was very upset. And uh, what happened is in the canyon, this uh, he started to hear large large creature bipedal stomping through the brush, breaking through the brush, and it was coming up towards him. And uh, and, and it basically came up and circled him. And that was the most intense one uh, with BFRO. The BFRO, yeah, I did many reports. You'll see my name at the bottom as the investigator on many reports for about 10 years. But you're still a member, right? I am officially still a member. I paid my dues this year, yes. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah, that that incoming line of information is so neat to have. Um, I'm not a member myself, of course, but uh, I've got other lines of information coming in. Uh, have, have you done any reports at all lately? Do you still go on to the BFRO and just kind of look at what's happening in some of your favorite spots or anything? No, I really haven't gone on, man. I, again, this is my first time on my laptop tonight doing this podcast. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. 
Well, you know, there are a lot of other stories we want to get into, um, and some perhaps, you know, best behind the paywall. So why don't we close down the regular episode here that we can go talk about the, some of the more scandalous, ridiculous, and, and over-the-top things that uh, you and Bobo have been up to in various ways. In the Well, just to tease the membership thing, I, I really want to talk about the Monster Brothers when uh, you and Bobo helped shoot that uh, that, that TV pilot. Yeah, so don't we're not going to spill the beans now, but I'll tell you, you know, RPG, um, he was, that uh, he was of course, a producer on Finding Bigfoot for years. He even uh, was on that uh, other show, Expedition Bigfoot, for a minute. Um, he's the guy that supposedly got zapped and pulled off or whatever. He had some other show opportunity back in the day, and Bobo and Yams here helped him shoot a pilot. So we definitely want to talk about that, but that's for members' ears only. If you do want to be a member, check out the link in the show notes. Click that. It'll bring you right to where you need to be. Um, and lots of crazy stuff happens in the membership section. Um, I've heard nothing but good things. So maybe I'll become a member just so I can hear what we're talking about. Okay, folks, click the link in the show notes to uh, check out Tom's YouTube channel. And make sure you check out the video, uh, Skookum Cast with Tom, Bobo, and Bud. That's the best one. It's, it's epic. You got to see it. It's, it's awesome. Tom, thank you for coming on the podcast. But more than anything, thank you for being a, such a dear friend for so long. Love you so much, my friend. Love you too, man. Thank you for having me. And I know it was, a, well, I'm sure it'll be a genuinely great episode once we get done working the magic on it. Thank you for having me. That was Tommy Amaron joining us, a good buddy of ours, the Bard of Bigfoot songs. Uh, so check him out. And you can hear some more of them on the Patreon. We're going to go do the Beyond Bigfoot and Beyond. So, all right. Thanks for tuning in. And until next week, y'all keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 